from Wish TV. This is All Indiana Politics Podcast with Phil Sanchez. Unfiltered. Uh, thank you for joining us this week. We we really appreciate you tuning in. Jennifer McCormick is our guest. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So what's it been like? We were talking off air that you've been very busy traveling the state. What's it been like these past few months? It's been incredibly busy, but incredibly rewarding. People are doing a lot of talking and I'm doing a lot of listening. So it's been amazing. What are you hearing? I'm hearing a lot of the same trends. I'm hearing a lot of people that are a little scared about mm. the future of Indiana, a little anxious, some excitement. So I hear all different uh, kind of emotions going with a lot of different topics. Um, probably the one that's leading the way is the women's um, reproductive freedoms and also education. I'm hearing a lot about community safety. So a lot of trends are coming to light, which is not surprising, but I'm glad that people are, it's on their radar and they're ready for 2024. We'll get into some of the issues in a moment, but first I want to just, why do you want this job? (laughs) (laughs) Have you talked to my husband? Um, So, you know, for me, it was, I served four years at the state house. And during that time, I learned a lot. I mean, the good, bad, and ugly. And, And so there are a lot of lessons there. And then since then, I've also been trying to help candidates hit the road, again, doing a lot of listening and paying attention to what's happening. And Um, Hoosiers will tell you what's on their mind for sure and so for me it was about I could listen to what was happening and the attacks on our freedoms and our voice and our opportunities and do something about it or I could just let it go and I I could not let it go I'm in an opportunity that I feel like I can help people I can be a public servant and I can bring back hopefully fight for those freedoms and those rights and opportunities and that's why I jumped in. Tell us a little bit about your background. Who is Jennifer McCormick for maybe people who don't know? Yeah, lifelong Hoosier. So grew up or was born in Scottsburg, but my life really was in Newcastle. And so went K-12 through Newcastle. I'm a fourth generation farm family. So my dad's a Purdue grad, so boiler up. (laughs) My mom was a retail marketing person that did a lot of managing in retail. And so, uh, you know, for me, it was about public service and they modeled that for me my entire childhood. I went on to be in education. I was a teacher and a principal and a local superintendent before state superintendent and then jumped right into what I'm doing now. So, you know, for me, it's all about people. It's about being a public servant. We should also point out, it's no secret that you were a Republican, you changed parties. How, how, How did that go? I did. You know, it's gone well. So a lot of people ask why. And for me, it was about values. It was really about a value piece for me. I watched what was happening at the state house. I believed when I was a local superintendent that it's all about taking care of kids and you have to prioritize to do that. Government should be transparent. We should be held accountable. We should also be focused on real issues and real solutions. And I did not see that out of the party. I also spent over two decades telling kids that character mattered. Mm-hmm. And I was watching what was happening in the Republican Party, especially at the federal level during the former president's term. And, and that was not anything I stood for or told kids it was okay. Mm-hmm. So um, it's about practicing what you preach. And for me, it made that switch and found better alignment with the Democratic Party. And how has the Democratic Party uh, received you? It's been really, it's been great. Yeah. It's been great. So people are very, very welcoming. And it's been interesting because I have really pulled a lot of moderate re- Republicans that are trying to find a home right now as well, that are really struggling what's happening with the extremism in the Republican Party. And so they're on board, but also the Democrats are excited that they've been very welcoming. When they said Big Tent, they meant it. Um, and so it's gone really well for me. Okay, so let's talk about the issues. Um, you win. What, what, 
What's top of your mind if yeah, you win? Top of my mind has to be the reproductive freedoms and rights for women. It has to be. I mean, it's impacting so many people, and so many people are are struggling with that. And and many people say, you know, that's today. What's tomorrow? What's the next right? Is it more book banning? Is it more curriculum control on how we teach history? Is it about who we marry, who we love? You know, where does it stop? And so for me, it's about fighting for our freedoms and our rights. So that has to be top of, of a priority. Other than that, I mean, education, obviously, being the state superintendent, you know, education is, as the education goes in Indiana, so goes the state. So we have to get that right. Right now, we're 43rd in the nation in educational attainment. We are not perfect. We got a lot of work to do, but we've been under really tight policies that I would argue are not really getting us great results. And the kids are stuck in the middle of that. You know, parents and families and communities depend on a state who will prioritize education, and I plan to do that. Tight policies, like what? Really taking away a lot of the autonomy in our schools, controlling our assessments that's super time-consuming, making sure that grants are done in such a way that is really, really um, restrictive. And so there's a lot of different things in policy and and, and the, res- the shortage of teachers that's a result mm-hmm. of all those policies. I mean, the list goes on. We need autonomy. We need real solutions to the real problems, and we're running out of time, frankly. I know the attack on public education is not by accident, but when 89% of our families choose public education, destroying it makes no sense. So education, um, women's reproductive rights, what else is is important to you? Yeah, I mean, obviously the economy is huge. We have to have an economy that is operating. We have to have high high wages, but that takes high skill and high education, which goes right back to the education piece. We also have to address the mental health issues that so many of our employers are telling us that are causing them not to have people in the workforce, and our employees are telling us they need help. So there's a lot to that workforce, but we got to get the wages up. We have to also make sure that we are developing a workforce that works for all of us. And that goes right back to the education piece, which is obviously over over half of the state budget. So we got to get it right. How do you get the wages up? Well, you know, attracting better paying jobs yeah. is step one, making sure that we're not just the fastest growing industry or jobs in Indiana pay less than $15 an hour. They don't require a high school diploma. We cannot sustain that. So making sure we are attracting those high paying jobs. But in order to do that, we have to have really high skilled, high edu- edu- highly educated Hoosiers to do that. So again, goes right back to education. What about trade schools? Is that something too that, that interests you? Sure. I mean, obviously, I think anything post high school that requires any additional education and training is incredibly important. There are a lot of great careers that can support a family in the trades. And we have a lot of opportunity in Indiana in the trades. But also there are kids that are interested in two-year programs, four-year higher education programs that we also need to embrace. So it can't be either or. It has to be more of a balance. And in Indiana, we have created at times an either or type of conversation. And the kids are hearing it. And so we are where we are. Where has Governor Holcomb gone wrong over the past eight years? Yeah, so I think Governor Holcomb, um, I worked with him, obviously, my first, his first term, my term in office, and um, I think prioritizing education would be an area that um, would be helpful for the governor, the next governor. I look at Kentucky with Andy Brashear winning that race in a very red state, but he prioritized public education. He also did a better job of listening to the needs of curriculum instruction assessment, listening to the needs of the teacher shortage. So I think being just an active participant in public in education period, which is over half of the state budget, would be a good step forward. Okay, so you're up against um, potentially right now 
there are five Republicans. Yeah. Uh, obviously, and a lot of some of them have a lot of money. Um, they they just I mean and thank you for that it's reminder. A, it's, a, it's a huge part of politics, <laughs> right? I mean sure. that is a huge part of politics. So how do you get your message out there? Yeah. When you're up against these five right now that are, you know, everywhere you turn, you're hearing something. From yeah, them. they're going to spend a lot of money in that primary and everybody knows it. And so I welcome that. But the pro- my concern is they have a lot of money to follow it. Mm-hmm. So my base are people who make very average salaries. You know, you're talking in Indiana, that's around fifty five to sixty thousand dollars. So we don't I don't have donors that have one hundred thousand dollars right. to give to me. That's not who's giving. I have an enormous amount of individual donors both from the Republican side and, and Democrats and independents and libertarians as well who are giving, but they're small donors. So we know we're going to have to rely on some bigger donors, whether that's unions or out of state. And so our charge is probably going to look different than what they can do. When you can self-fund, that's different. I cannot self-fund. That's not who I am. Sure. So um, it's, a, it's a disadvantage, but it's realistic. And I welcome that because at the end of the day, it's about votes. And I take every single donor, no matter how big or how small, as a vote at the ballot box, but also a, a vote for momentum and, you know, just that motivation to let's win this in 2024. Probably a broader topic, but I think it's unfortunate that money plays such a role in politics. Oh, I think it's elected. at the federal level, especially, yeah. and then at the state and local levels. We're seeing a lot of money flowing into some races that really, in my opinion, support extreme policy. And so it's unfortunate, but here that's where we are. Yeah, that's the world we live in, right? Yeah. So when you do, speaking of federal, when you look at the federal uh, landscape, your thoughts on 2024 for the presidential election? Yeah, so I think it comes down to um, are we going to uh, maintain our democracy or not? I know that sounds a little bit silly, and people think that's just an overstretch of the imagination, and I don't think so. I'm paying attention. Many people are paying attention. I think Joe Biden is clearly the choice. I think if it's President Trump, it's dangerous. Um, I think his policies are dangerous. I think his rhetoric is dangerous. I think his intent is dangerous. And he showed us who he is. We need to believe him. So I really hope people do their homework and they are informed. I know it's difficult to vote. Some folks in Indiana like to go in and hit that straight ticket Mm -hmm. um, voting. And we're very Republican in our state. I just hope that they reconsider Um, some of the races in 2024, because I really do think it's a matter of democracy. And that goes down the ballot. So, you know, when we get a Brashear, when Ohio has big wins that they just had, when Pennsylvania had their just big win, you know, Arizona, I mean, people are showing us what can be done when we elect people who do it for the right reason. And that is staying focused on the issues, making sure we're taking care of our common middle class and working men and women, making sure we're focused on education and doing it for the right reason. It should not be about power, should not be about money. It should not be about, you know, overturning a democracy. So I hope people really, really are informed and do their homework. What were your thoughts on this past election cycle? I was very um, encouraged. Yeah. You know, we had a big win in Terre Haute. Brandon Sackbun is amazing. We had a big win in Evansville with Stephanie Terry. Um, you know, we just, which is awesome. And we picked up some other wins as well. And so I was very encouraged. And some of our um, races that weren't wins um, really were promising because mm-hmm. we co- we picked up a lot of ground that will help all of us in 2024. So even though they weren't necessarily winning as a checkbox on that ballot, they did win for us yeah. in the success they're going to bring. This is probably really inside baseball, but do you do you then? And I don't know this. Um, do you then look at that election and the results and say, okay, and, and take data from that, and then see 
going forward how you're going to campaign. How does that work? A hundred percent. I know all candidates do that. You right. know, we're all looking at what just happened in the last election and that will be, you know, it, it'll look, analytics of the data will happen. And so everybody will take a look at that and also the anecdotal part of it. So there's a lot of research and a lot of um, different examination of what just happened that will take place that will guide us into 2024. Not just in Indiana, mm-hmm. we're going to be looking elsewhere as well to say what lessons can we learn, good and bad. And so, um, yes, that will be a huge part of it. Has has this has this kind of opened up your eyes to politics? I mean, obviously, you mm-hmm. coming from an education background, superintendent. I mean, I mean, this is probably an entirely different beast. It is a beast. Yeah. And you know what's interesting, too, is I hear people who <laughs> on commercials right now say they're outsiders. And I'm like, if they're outsiders, then I am right. way, way outside. Sure. So, you know, many of them bring with them connections in the political world and positions in the political world that I just did not have. Sure, I was a state superintendent for four years. That was the first time I ran for office. I was successful. I was humbled. I felt like we did a great job for the state of Indiana. But politics is really fairly new to me still. So trying Trying to learn that, like as you said, the inside baseball of mm-hmm. it is is tricky. And so um, I have learned an incredible amount. I also think it's a benefit because I see things from the outsider lens um, that I think helps keep me grounded at times where I see where people get pulled into that mess with politics and I try to stay out of that piece of it. Do you also think that being a former Republican that has helped you on on the campaign trail as well. And maybe the way you look at things is a little bit different than some other Democrats. Maybe? I do. I think it's a benefit for me to know what I'm up against, whether it's through an organization of a party or the money or just the players. I think that's a benefit. There are a lot of great Republicans in Indiana, good people. I know many of them at home and, you know, many of them at the state level. It's not about liking, disliking. It's the ideology. But a lot of people who I've been on the road respect that, that they know I'm fiscally responsible. They know where I lie with my values. And many Republicans can relate to that. So I think it has been helpful. I think a lot of people admire too that I had the guts to come out and say, that is not working for me. That Mm -hmm. is not where I lie with my values. And I have a lot of concerns with where that party's going. And I think a lot of people said, you just said out loud what I wish I could say. Um, But I did because I felt like it was the best thing to do. What was that conversation like with your family? It was easy with my family because my family knows me really, really well. My husband is an educator. My son is a cyber officer. Um, My dad, I'm a caregiver to my dad, and my mom passed away several years ago, but I have a brother, sister, and it was my immediate family and my closest friends. They know me so well that it was easy. They were super supportive and continue to be, but... Um, friends, you know, I'm in Henry County uh-huh. and it's very red. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of conversations, but it's very respectful. And I think that is important to be common sense, bring the civility part, embrace bipartisanship, and let's try to get to some solutions that way. And so it's been, it's been good. Why, why do you think that's such a problem uh, in society in general to have those conversations? I mean, I, I, we've, you know, we've had conversations, Alan and I, who's sitting next to me right now doing engineering and Um, people in the newsroom. We all come from different backgrounds. We all have different ideas. Why do you think it's so hard today to have those conversations and be civil about it? Yeah, I think it's what's being modeled. So I, and I know that sounds simple, but I think it's true. I think it's what's being modeled. It's what's being reported and it gives permission for activity and behaviors that we've not seen in the past. So that civility piece is crazy. It is. I think it's incredibly important that that is modeled from the national level to the state level to the local level. And as soon as the guardrails are off, no different than in a classroom that I control the discipline, 
it, it, it can go south quickly. And yeah. I think that's what's happened. I think there is such a responsibility to our national, state, and local leaders who are in political positions or in leaderships of, or positions of leadership to model what that civility needs to look like and not give permission for the crazy to get crazier. Social media hasn't helped either. Social media has not helped. Mm -hmm. Certainly has not helped. Man, that's been brutal. Um, and some of our media hasn't helped. Abso well, yeah. Absolutely. Not yeah. on the local level, I would say. I would say the local level does a pretty good job. I would say it's more of the national stuff I would that agree really that. takes us down the wrong the wrong path, unfortunately. And I would say Indiana's been fortunate with the local level media. But in other states, I've also heard sometimes that's difficult. It, well, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. I have yeah. friends working all over this country. So yeah. I, I, I would I totally get it. Um, yeah. You know, looking back uh, on Governor Eric Holcomb's time in office, uh, obviously the pandemic, if, if something was like that was to happen again, where would your administration go? You know, I have to tell you, during the pandemic, I mean, it was a difficult situation for all of us. We were in uncharted territory, and no one, we, no one of us, not any of us were, you know, had a plan for how mm -hmm. to do it perfectly. But during that time, I worked with Governor Holcomb, and he worked well with me. And we did a lot of collaboration regarding the schools. His team worked with our team. Um, and so we did the best we could in a very, very difficult situation. I did learn a lot about the power of the local level and i was very concerned about how i felt like maybe they weren't as the the organizational piece of it from the state to the local maybe wasn't as short up as it needed to be and hopefully there's been some work done in that space like i think about maybe the health department for one example and how that was impacting schools and it, it just probably needed short up so i think there are a lot of lessons to be learned from covid but i have nothing i'm not going to go negative on governor holcomb during that time it was difficult for all of us we did the best we can and you know was it perfect no but i think we did a pretty good job given the circumstances okay Fair enough. Jennifer McCormick, thanks so much for joining us. Is there anything else that maybe I'm, a I'm not asking that you want to add in for our viewers? No, I just encourage people to go to the website, McCormickforGov.com, and, you know, do a lot of learning. We're getting ready to release our priority issues on the website. People have asked, you know, where are you at with marijuana? Where yep. are you at with gun safety? Where are you at, you know, with the different issues? That's a lot of conversation. So happy to come back anytime to cover those, but people can go to the website. More will be to come. Well, since you brought it up, do you want to talk about those right now? We can. Where are you on marijuana? <laughs> We're losing a lot of revenue in marijuana. And I've heard from a lot of Hoosiers, both sides of the aisle, like, let's go. So I am realistic to know I think we need to go step one with the medical side of it to make sure we have a well-regulated well industry. I think jumping in full bore is probably not realistic in the state of Indiana, but we are losing a lot of revenue. And Hoosiers are telling us, the majority of Hoosiers are telling us it's time. So I do think it's an area we need to, to visit. Gun safety is the other area I hear a lot about, and people are saying, you know, are you coming after our guns? And are you, you know, do you not respect the Second Amendment? Yes, I do. Mm -hmm. Yes, I respect the Second Amendment. No, I'm not coming after guns. But there are a lot of pieces we can do with gun safety in every community. It's not just an Indianapolis issue. It's in Indiana. It's a nation, national issue. Sure. So, you know, there are a lot of measures. The Democratic um, Senate and the House put through a lot of good proposals and bills in the last few sessions that made a lot of sense and had good support, but under a supermajority, Republicans could not get out. But a lot of people support, like, you know, gun safety, storage, and looking at repealing that permitless carry. I mean, just good common sense gun mm -hmm. safety laws that would save lives and not go, you know, we're not going after guns. We're not taking your guns away. We're just saying, let's be smart about it. We'll have you back. Yes. Okay. Thank you. We got a, a lot of time, a lot of time to go here. I mean, we're about a year away, so yes. we, can, we can we can chat plenty of times. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks. From Wish TV.
This is All Indiana Politics Podcast with Phil Sanchez. Unfiltered, in-depth, nonpartisan coverage, exclusive interviews with Indiana's political leaders. Subscribe to this podcast and listen weekly here on the All Indiana Podcast Network. And be sure to discover even more great podcasts at allindianapodcastnetwork.com.